you are in this room, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to engage your imaginations. If you're online, I'm gonna ask you to engage your imagination, but you'll have to do it with whoever is with you. Or if you wanna put comments in the comment section, you're welcome to do that too. All right, imagine, if you will, a playground, okay? Now fill the playground with children in your mind's eye. Eamon's working out on the playground. Well done, doing pull-ups. No judgment at all. I can't do pull-ups, so well done. All right, is your playground full of children? Maybe some adults? I'm probably on the swings. All right, look around, see how many kids look alike. And if they all look alike, change that. Now... Look around again and see if they're all happily playing or if some maybe are not. Some are giving Eamon strange looks while he's working out. It's all good. All right, do you have the most diverse playground in your mind? Be that what the kids look like, how old they are, their ability levels, their moods, all of that. Do you have that in your mind? Okay, now tell me what you see. What, do, what, what are some things you see the kids doing, playing? Yeah. Oh, you see kids that are in wheelchairs. I love it. We have an inclusive playground. Love it. What are some of the, Eamon's doing pull-ups. What are some of the other kids doing? I'm still swinging, by the way. The older kids are pushing the younger ones on the swings. Deb? The merry-go-round. I am terrified of the merry-go-round, but yes, the children love it. Do you hear, what do you hear? Lots of loud noises. Like what? Laughing. Ooh, excellent. There are geese added to the mix. I heard something over here. Squealing. Squealing. Love it. So there's happy sounds, maybe not so happy sounds, all of these things, right? Okay, so if you're looking at this playground, do you see the kid who's the leader? There's always a kid who's a leader, and there's other kids who are following. Would you ever say to that kid who's leading that they're more important than the ones who are following? No, of course not. Is the kid who is running at full speed any better than that kid who's in the wheelchair? No, of course not. I heard a little person say no. I'm so happy about that. Um, is the kid who's crying instead of laughing any less a part of the group that is on the playground? No, of course not. I don't know any one of you for sure, but not a single person who would say, that any of those kids are more important than the other, that any of them belong more than the others, based on whatever, their different abilities, their likes, their dislikes, if they lead, if they follow, if they run really fast, if they're really slow, if they're happy, if they're sad, they all belong fully on that playground, right? 
none of us would ask those kids to pretend that they're anything except the most true version of themselves in that moment, right? Okay, hold on to that image. We'll come back to it. We've been talking about our core values as a faith community, the things that really matter to us as we try to live out our vision of being a community united with Christ in the renewal of all things. We're talking about five words or phrases that are kind of the building blocks of our life together, our DNA, if you will. Do other things matter than these five things? Of course they do, but these are the words that came out from conversations with you all, of conversations among the stewards. These are the things that kind of rose to the top as the overarching pots that hold everything else, right? So we're taking some time in these weeks to, to think about each one, each one of those things. Last week, Chris talked about our value of partnership. He talked about how we're already interconnected, and we get to choose if we step into that, if we embrace that, or if we try to ignore it. Because when we lean into that interconnectedness, he said this word so easily last week, I can't say it. When we lean into that interconnectedness as individuals, it helps us become the most true version of ourselves. The same for us as a community. By partnering with other organizations, other churches, we can bring renewal to the world around us more so than we can do with just us, right? And in very different ways. Bluebridge, the school that meets here, does it in very different ways than we do as a church. But it all matters. So today, we're going to talk about our value of inclusivity. Maybe it's not so much a different value, but kind of an extension of, don't you think? Or maybe it's a really important piece of real and genuine partnerships. As we talked about partnership last week, we looked at Paul's ministry and all the partners he had. He never did it alone. He never traveled alone. He traveled with others. He worked with others wherever he went, and he empowered others in their spaces. And then he didn't just leave them alone after that. He kept in touch. He visited when he could. And when he couldn't visit, often because he was in prison, he would write letters. So all of these books in the New Testament after like the book of Romans are these letters that Paul and others wrote to these new churches, encouraging them. Maybe sometimes it feels like they're calling out behaviors that need to change, but I think it's more of Paul's trying to remind them who they are and who they are to be as they try to follow Christ. Remember, in most of these churches, there's some sort of mixture of Jewish believers and non-Jewish believers. Those are the Gentiles. So it's Jews and Gentiles who are all trying to follow Jesus, but they're very, very different people. So they're trying to figure out how to get along with each other. They're trying to figure out what their new identity markers are, what traditions to keep, what customs to keep, and who has to belong to all of those and who has to follow all the rules, all of these things, so much to figure out. And surprise, surprise, there's conflict and disagreement along the way. 
So this morning, we're going to take a look at two of those letters, at Ephesians and Galatians. I promise we're not reading the whole thing. Um, this is to the church in Ephesus, which is a port, was a port city on the western coast of modern-day Turkey, and then Galatia is the rest of modern-day Turkey. So Ephesus was this city that was uh, really important, and a lot of people came and went. People traveled through it. Um, there was a lot going on in this city. So there's, a co- of course, a lot going on in this church as well as they try to figure out how to be God's people. Okay, this worked so well last week that I'm going to copy Chris and have you all read because it's more fun. I don't want to listen to my voice. I want to listen to your voices. So if you are willing, there are a few short passages. I don't think there's any hard words in these. Last week, Janelle knocked it out of the park with some long cities. There's none in these. So are there, there's plenty to go around. So who would like to read? And yes, I'm going to give you a mic, and I'm going to tell you that I'm going to give you a microphone. Elizabeth, thank you. Paige and Ellie, thank you so much. All right, who else? Eamon, thank you. I still have four more. Thanks, Bethany. Andrea. Two more. One's really short, and one's my absolute favorite scripture passage in the Bible. So who wants that one? I know. That's a big statement. Maybe I shouldn't say that whole statement. Who wants it? Mel, thank you so much. All right. I really hope you all remember the order in which I passed that out. Elizabeth, I think you're first. All right. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. I know, but they can't hear, like, hear you online. If you, <laughs> you can get loud enough, they can hear you through my mic. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers, who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Thank you, Elizabeth. Do you see what's going on here? Paul is talking to Peter, or he's essentially condemning Peter's actions, because Peter was eating with the Gentiles, he was hanging out with everybody, until some other Jewish believers showed up who thought maybe he shouldn't, so then he stopped hanging out with everybody. And then, guess what? Other Jewish believers copied Peter's behavior, so now all of a sudden, they're excluding people, okay? And Paul says, nope, not the way to do this. All right, next one, Galatians 3, verse 26. For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have all put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no 
longer Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And now that you belong to Jesus, you, the children of Abraham, um, you are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Nice job. Thank you. This is Paul's counterpoint to what Peter was doing. Listen, you all are on equal ground. Yes, they are still Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, men and women. Do I wish Paul would start to abolish slavery in society? Yes, I do, but he doesn't, and that's a conversation for another day. But maybe what he's doing here is just as radical. He's saying out there in society, you are more important than this group of people, or Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free people. There's a hierarchy, right? And Paul is saying, "Mm -mm, not here. You are all on equal playing ground. You are all equal. In society, you don't cross boundaries, but in this community, yeah, we're going to cross boundaries, and we're all belonging the same. It's like Jesus' words to the disciples once when he was gathering with them. He said these words that I love, but not so with you. You see this going on in society? That's not how you are to be. You are to be different, set apart. So Paul's reminding them that this community is supposed to be a space where all belong, where all are safe and valued and loved and fully included. All right, next one, Galatians. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you, Gentiles, free from those laws. Thank you. Freedom from the laws. Freedom from conforming to those laws and customs and traditions of Jewish faith. So this identity marker of circumcision was a big deal to Jewish believers because it had been a part of their tradition forever. Paul is saying here, listen, that is a big deal for you, and that is wonderful, and that is to be valued But these Gentiles don't have to conform to that. They don't have to look like you. They don't have to act like you. They don't have to do the same things to be fully included in community. They're free to be who they are. All right, Galatians 5, starting at verse 6. For we place our faith in Jesus Christ. There is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to to serve one another in love. 
For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love, instead of this set of rules and customs and tradition, love. All right, now we're moving on to Ephesians. Who has the next one, Bethany? All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. The Spirit is God's guarantee that God will give us the inheritance that was promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify God. So the new identity marker is the spirit, not circumcision, not any rules and customs and traditions, but the spirit. And the spirit unites us with Christ. Maybe that's why it's part of our vision statement as well, because it's a big deal that we're united with Christ, which means all people are united. All right, Ephesians 2. I don't know where this went. Oh, all the way across the room. Well done. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He broke down the wall that separated us. Remember that in the Jewish temple, there was literally a wall that separated Jews and Gentiles. The Gentiles were allowed to come only so far, but only the Jews were allowed in that inner sanctum. Only the Jews were allowed full experience of God's presence. Until now. That wall that kept people out was gone. Okay, not literally. That wall is, was still present in the temple. But in this community, this new community of faith, that wall does not exist. Jesus lived this way, didn't he? We can cite story after story after story of Jesus welcoming somebody who should be considered an outsider and welcoming them fully embracing them without ever asking them to give up a part of who they are. Change behavior, sure, because that behavior is not allowing you to flourish, but never cut off a part of your identity. The Samaritan woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the sick people that Jesus healed, Remember, those people were unclean by society's standards. They were not touchable. 
And yet Jesus went to them and healed them. Jesus always included fully. So Paul is reminding the people in Ephesus to do the same. All right, two more. Ephesians 3, verse 6. I love how you're all just passing the mic around. I'm just standing up here. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Share equally, children, belong. That's what it means to be part of the church, to be part of God's family. All right, I've set this up really high, so I hope you love this as much as I do, but um, this, is, this is Paul's prayer for the church. Who had this one? Mel, excellent. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, God will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Thanks, Mel. May you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. That's Paul's deep desire for these new churches, these new communities that are forming. And it's interesting to me, the, the, the caption above that section, the authors didn't put those captions in, editors did later, but the caption says, Paul's prayer for spiritual growth. It's not this Paul's prayer for inner peace. It is that, because when you experience the love of God, you tap into the love that is your foundation. But it's also what will propel you forward. Experiencing the love of God, the deep, long, high, and wide love of God that our minds cannot fully comprehend will help us take steps into places that we might not take steps into, like sitting with the Gentiles at dinner or embracing fully somebody who's different than we are. So maybe today we don't have that distinction of Jew or Gentile, but we still have distinctions, don't we? Our culture tells us that those people who are wealthy and successful and fit and young-ish, 
smart, educated, like pick your word here, our society tells us that those are the people who are most important. Those are the people who are up here. And then there's this hierarchy that just goes down from there, right? If we're being really honest, the church, I'm talking big C church here, not the branch, of course not the branch, but the church also has hierarchies. Those distinctions, of course, are at play, but then we also add some gender, race, sexual orientation. So these people who fit this this norm get elevated. Listen, those people are not bad people. I know a lot of people who fit that category, and they're wonderful. But a system that says this group of people is more important than another is destructive, whether it's in society, especially if it's in a church. It's not the way of Jesus. If anything, Jesus elevated those who society would deem down here, right? Jesus brought them into the light. Paul used the phrase, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. In our tradition, most often we baptize infants. Do you know why we baptize infants? Thanks, Amen. One of the reasons we baptize infants is because they have nothing to offer except a lot of joy and snuggles and, and love, of course. But they can't say a word, they can't do a word, they can't do anything, they're not productive. And yet, we say to those babies on that day that you fully belong, just simply because you are. You are loved with that extravagant love of God just because you are. There is no hierarchy. Not because we fit into a mold, but because we are. Somewhere along the way, though, as we grow up, those hierarchies start to, start to take place. And sometimes we start to believe that we can only be loved, we can only fully belong if we fit in, if we conform. Remember that image of the playground where every child is just as important as the next? Yes, there are absolutely differences. Those differences are what makes a group of people, what makes the world beautiful, makes our lives beautiful, helps us understand the world better. But that can only be true when we embrace the differences, when we make space to fully honor the personhood of those who might be different from us. It only happens when we refuse to make someone else conform in order to belong. So as a church, longing to be a community united with Christ in the renewal of all things, we value inclusivity. How could we not? We value intrinsic human worth because God does. 
We value all the differences and uniquenesses of every single person who chooses to be a part of this community, if even for just a moment. We don't ever want people to think they have to fit a certain mold to be a part of this community. Come with your full self. Do not check a piece of you at the door. So here's the language we're using about inclusivity. Everyone belongs. We mean it. Everyone belongs. You're not just welcome to come and to fit in here. You belong. Your full self belongs. God is ever inclusive. Paul reminded the churches in Galatia and Ephesus of that. As we looked through those passages, we saw that too. Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, you all belong equally. And all are invited to fully participate in our life together. We really do mean all, and we really do mean fully. There's not a wall in this temple keeping anyone from fully experiencing the divine love and embrace of God. There is not a wall in this temple keeping anyone out of full participation in this community. So whether you are young or old or anywhere in between, whether you're rich or poor or middle class or anywhere in between, whether you're successful in your career, retired, not able to work, choose not to work, a stay-at-home parent, a student, or none of those things, whether you're gay or straight or still trying to figure it out, whether you're cisgender or transgender or gender fluid, whether your skin is brown or black or white or any shade in between. If you have questions and doubts more than answers, if you cry at the drop of a hat, or if you haven't shed a tear in years, if your life is Pinterest perfect, or if you don't dare show pictures at all, you belong. Your whole, full self belongs. Bring it all, because you are loved. And we, as a community, will do our best to honor your full self. But when we mess up, and we will, if you have the energy to call that out, please do it. Because living as a community like this requires a lot of grace. We'll talk about that one next week. But it also requires a level of vulnerability and trust with one another. I believe wholeheartedly in this community that we can be that community and those people. 
May it be so. We're going to come back to the leaves, the renewal board over here. I forgot to put a couple of questions here up on the, on the screen, but we're going to give you a couple of minutes to just sit and think about this value of inclusivity, to wonder about times and spaces where you have either tried to fit a mold to fit in or were required to fit a mold to fit in. Name those spaces. Maybe write that on one of the leaves that's up here and bring it up to our board of renewal because that needs renewal. Those spaces and those experiences need renewal. I've heard countless stories of people in this community who that has been true for. So name that and leave it there. Or maybe you want to sit and think about a step that you can take toward being a person who fully welcomes others without requiring them to shed a part of their identity. What does that look like in your own life? Or maybe what is a step we as a community can take toward that goal? All of those things, you're welcome to write it on a leaf and bring it forward here in the next couple of minutes, and then we will move into communion.
You are welcome, of course, to continue to reflect on those questions and to bring leaves up here. Um, if you want to come up during communion and put a, put a leaf up, you're welcome to do that as well. This table feels like a great equalizer sometimes, doesn't it? A reminder that we come, we all eat the same bread or crackers, we all drink the same juice. It's for every single one of us. No matter what. No matter what your week has been like, no matter, no matter anything, it's for every single one of us to experience tangibly the love of God that is wide and deep and long and high, equally. I put some, some flowers on the table here. These are all from my yard. Some of them are lovely and in their prime, and some are a little past their prime. And they're all different, and they're all beautiful in their own way to kind of represent us. That we're all different, but lovely and beautiful in our own way. And we come together to make a motley crew of a beautiful bouquet together. <laughs> we all come with our uniquenesses to be celebrated with our different personalities and different gifts, and we all belong equally. Micah and someone else, Jeff, are going to come and lead communion. As they come up, they're going to need some help serving. Are there a few people who would help serve? Come on up. Just have a seat on the stairs while they read here this morning. Do I need to change? Oh, there we go. This is the joyful feast of unity. Christ has gathered his people around the earth to commune at his table. Across political lines and economic lines, in places of powerfully protected affluence and among the poorest of the poor, we share a meal, remembering and celebrating the one who proved shalom possible. We gather at the table today, coming from many places, differing in age, race, orientation, politics, and even religious background. But as we come around the table, we discover that our differences are not something we just tolerate. Instead, our differences are a blessing. The more difference we bring, the more fully we experience the presence of the, most, of the sacred in our midst. 